0: Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. I'm Lauren Alviso.
1: And I'm Jonathan Downey.
0: And on the show today...
1: Us. (laughs) Yes, this is actually a continuation of our conversation on Church Interpreting. There, There was a second topic and it kind of fits with this and that is the question of profanity
0: recently i went to a webinar that was called um yeah english american english profanity and like how to go about it right and it was really informative but one thing that happened throughout the webinar he's like we're gonna say these words out loud and you're going to work on them and and try to figure out how to say them in your working languages and the thing that made me think about is i didn't have a problem when i'm interpreting in a medical situation or for a bank i could people use profanity all the time in my workplace so i just i have to say it and i say it and i don't have an issue with it but i have heard stories ever since i was a student of interpreters refusing to interpret profanity because it's not something they believe in and i thought oh this it gets a little complex right of like I don't believe in it, I don't want to say it will I say it even if somebody else says it because it's my job or will I just not say it and then make them sound really pretty when they're not being nice perfect little citizens that don't swear
1: My question about that is why are they saying it? There was a preacher who used a possibly racially offensive term about French people Now, my line is always if the person is saying something and they don't realize it's offensive, then I'm happy to bail them out. If I know that they've done it by accident, it could be a generational thing. I'm happy to bail them out because it might be that it doesn't even sound offensive in English. It's just when you interpret it into French, it might come across as offensive or it's something we can say, okay, in Scotland, then can, you can't say it in South Africa. You know, they might not realize the risk that they are taking and I'm happy to lengthen my lag and, and play with, play around the borders a little bit without erasing what they said, but to do something to reduce the force that they didn't intend. If, however, there's someone who's going out of their way to be offensive, then I find it difficult as an interpreter to find any justification to remove that when that's what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah they're trying to offend they're trying to hurt and damage and I have to be a conduct to that and it's difficult to to address it but one thing I always try to focus on is I'll take a break after those things and I'll go and I'll pray for them (laughs) and i'll be like lord they wanted to offend this person but i really hope everything goes really well in their life and they don't have to ever say things like this to somebody again because i can't control the way that they act
1: as much as i don't like the conduct model it has its pros in that sometimes you just have to stand back and go this ain't me and you have to abandon the the not not me position and i'm aware of occasions and in the literature and research, where interpreters have said things like, the speaker says. Again, it's not in the textbooks. No. But I recently wrote a blog post suggesting that the best interpreters know when to bend the rules and how. And the problem is, until you know the rules, you can't bend them intelligently. But as far as we can see, every single interpreter ever bends the rules at some point. I wouldn't say they break them. You have to. You have to sometimes you have to interject in your own voice sometimes you have to do stuff and so there's growing awareness that's what interpreters do to get by
0: some of the techniques that they teach you are already a bending of rules yeah like if you're explaining something because it doesn't make sense in your target language you're bending a rule there but we're calling it that's a technique and that's something that we're allowed to do the
1: more experienced the interpreter and the better they're reading the situation, the more able they are to intelligently use their skills. And profanity for me, I try to avoid it wherever possible. But then I have the opposite story where I was interpreting with one of my really good colleagues an event on social policy and employment and stuff. So we have got these speeches. And the first one was easy. second one, I hand over to my colleague. Starts with a quote of some lovely traditional Scottish poetry, to which I giggled because it wasn't me interpreting, so I was quite happy. <laughs> and then the, the lady starts speaking and says, oh, um, and I find the British government's position on whatever it was, disgusting. With real venom in her voice. And ah. so my booth mate found the French word "dégueulasse," which is, to me, a, an absolutely perfect... Way of dealing with that amount of venom. So you couldn't just say, I mean, degouton, it's disgusting, but degoulasse is like another level of disgusting. Okay. And and I, and I came out of the booth thinking, she's done a great job. What a fantastic solution to the sheer amount of almost hatred and, well, not hatred, but venom in that speech. And yeah. client walks up to her afterwards and said, um, Were you interpreting? So, and says uh, in French, Were you interpreting so and so? And? My colleague says yes. And the client took her to task for using degulas. Dig, uh, he didn't even like digutong, which is the official kind of dictionary equivalent. He wanted something that basically meant, I um, can't remember what it was, but it was something really, really soft, like uh, unhelpful. And you think, no, as an interpreter, if a speaker is speaking with real venom and using disgusting you can't say you I to, find that you unhelpful. have to match the venom. You've got to yeah. give it back. And I thought this is the opposite to what we're used to, is we're used to as interpreters trying not to equalize everything and make it all sound the same. Trying to bring the speaker's voice out and here was a client feeding back, actually, although I I knew that's what the speaker did, no, no, in, in our French context, we, we do it this way. So it, it cuts both ways sometimes.
0: Yeah. And I think the context really matters too. Like you said that, why are they saying it? How are they saying it? And what solutions am I finding to it in terms of like, what words will I employ? Because not every language uses the same verbiage to pour out the same kind of venom. I struggle a lot with going for certain words in Spanish that I know are curse words, but are used as non-curse words and i have like whenever somebody says something like that and i have to interpret it back into english i'm like okay bro and it just doesn't cut it. i'm like i don't know cuz it's they use it amongst men and it's a curse word but it's to call each other their their friends and i'm like okay how do i find somewhere where you're saying something that's technically mean but also familiar and super close it's a real weird damage and i end up just erasing the curse word and going my in or my bro or saying things like that because I, I haven't found the right solution yet and it's one of those things where i just have to keep working at it but it, it, it happens that way
1: and, and also different languages are rude in different ways and what is what is kind of calm and chilled in in scotland might sound angry somewhere else so I heard recently about a machine interpreting platform that wants to reproduce your tone of voice in the target language and I instantly thought uh, what a horrible idea because tone of voice means something different in Glaswegian than it does in Spanish yeah you...
0: tonalities it's a complete like <laughs> science in and of itself of like how do I go up or down or like people Like you said, different languages have different intonations to how they want to say things. And the way I sound nice in English might not be the way I sound nice in Spanish. Or the way I sound angry might not be the same way.
1: If you would like to hear more of this conversation, next month we'll be talking about whether church interpreting needs to be professionalised. But for now... Here's Lauren with this month's short interview. I'm going to hand over to Lauren to introduce our guest.
0: Jamie Martinez is a worship pastor, holistic biblical counselor and the host of the Living Love podcast. She's a big advocate for leading people to freedom in Christ and the power of worship. Do you believe that worship transcends language barriers?
2: I believe that the Holy Spirit can transcend language barriers. I've been able to see this firsthand at the church that I'm a worship pastor at. Now, I'm a pastor at a Spanish-speaking church. Do I speak Spanish? Absolutely not. (laughs) Actually, Lauren is the one who makes it possible for me to receive from the message. When there are no English lyrics during worship, it is hard for me to remember some of the lyrics to the songs, which make it hard to worship alongside of the congregation, of course, I flow in the spirit when that happens and try to sing my own song to God, but it does complicate things a little bit. When it's made accessible to people in multiple languages, it's beautiful to watch the Holy Spirit unite people.
0: When do you think interpreting is needed during worship?
2: When there's a moment of exhorting and ministry during worship, I believe that interpretation is necessary. For example, when I'm playing piano or not on the platform and I'm worshiping with a congregation and the worship leader goes into prophetic moment, I can pick up a word here and there and I can usually understand the gist of what they're saying. And usually they just come tell me about it afterwards. (laughs) But in those times, I usually direct the band from the piano or I pray for that moment. But in that moment, if someone was there to interpret, those who don't speak that language would be able to have the same encounter as everyone else. But also when I hopped off the piano and I grabbed a microphone to share something that the Lord dropped in my my heart in English, what I was saying need to be interpreted because the whole church doesn't speak English. So it goes both ways.
0: How possible do you think it is to have truly multilingual worship?
2: In all honesty, people are people. <laughs> the average human has an attention span of approximately eight seconds. And it takes a true worshiper to be able to worship freely during the times that are not in their language or singing the names of Yeshua, Adonai, Elohim that are Hebrew that people may be familiar with that might unite people in worship. But either way, people will check out and disconnect. It's unfortunate, but I've totally seen it happen from the platform. Even during prophetic moments that are amazing, spirit filled, they're beautiful, people check out. And they look like they're thinking about where they're going to go to dinner after church. But people are going to go where they connect. And sometimes multilingual churches can be too much stimulation going on. Finally,
0: should interpreters sing if they're interpreting worship?
2: Um, well, (laughs) probably not. Unless they can sing, I would say no, to be honest. It kind of becomes a distraction. And if, I mean, if you can sing and you can do what the worship leader's doing you know what key the song's in, you have the, co- the vocal capabilities, please go for it. Like, I would love to hear that. But if not, I do feel like it'd be a little bit too much of a distraction.
1: Thank you very much, Jamie. Here's Lauren with a quick tip.
0: As a quick tip, when dealing with profanity, Always remember the whys, like we said during the whole episode, is why are they using this language? And also remembering that you don't have to feel like you've dirtied yourself because you said a word. There is grace and a word does not define your identity. God does.
1: Thank you for listening to the Church Interpreting Podcast. If you would like more free resources to help your church with interpreting, go and check out churchinterpreting.com. Thank you for listening.